Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 40 of Smart Enough Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan. Oh, I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi. Hello, nameless person. I am the nameless. I am Gregoire. Oh, you get a last name. Well, my name's Dan Beeston. Dan John Beeston. There you go. Maiden name of mother is... No, wait, that's too much information. Ooh, that's right. What? There goes all my passwords. <laughs> and this is the 40th episode of Smart Enough to Know Better. You know what's interesting about the number 40? It's not the 40th episode. Episode 40. Yeah, it's episode 40. It's not the 40th episode. There was a whole bunch of little extras in there initially. Okay, let's just confuse the issue. Remember we used to do half episodes? We used to do half episodes. Then you made me do full episodes. That's true. Now I have so much more work to do. you're much happier. Look, look how happy you are. Uh, <laughs> we are running out of time. <laughs> you know what's interesting about the number 40? Nothing. Nothing at all. It's every time you come to a anything with a zero on the end or an even number, which it always would be if it's a zero on the end, then it's not interesting. It's really hard to find anything interesting about the number 40. It's, you know, it's all good. It's, there are some crazy things about it, but I'm not going to, you know, yeah. not interesting stuff. The only thing I could find, it's not even for 40, it's for negative 40. Oh. oh, yeah. So negative 40. Negative 40 is where the Celsius temperature scale and the Fahrenheit Celsius scale meet up. Ah, uh, yeah. So negative 40. If you go, oh, it's negative 40 Celsius, it's also negative 40 Fahrenheit. So you'll be dead in two temperature scales. Yay. That's it. That's all I got. There's not going to be many more numbers. Well, above 40? Yeah. You don't understand counting very well, do you? No, no, no. What I mean is we won't be recording very many podcasts from this point on. Oh, well, I mean, the robots are that close to killing us all. Because the other day I saw a quadcopter that was balancing like uh, a meter-long uh, stick uh, on top of it, yeah. just balancing it, just hovering no, 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 around. No, 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 hang on, let's, let's use the terminology we should be using. It wasn't balancing a stick. I saw the video too. Yeah, it was, it was an inverted it, pendulum. It was an inverted javelin, Dan. Let's just call ah. it what it is. It's a goddamn javelin. Yeah. They're, they're learning to balance javelins, and then what they do, Dan? You tell us. I, I'll tell you what it did. Yeah, you should. There was another quadcopter yeah. in the room, and so the first that one... That was humming maliciously. Humming. It's like, mm, with intent. Yeah. Mm, and then the first one flipped yep. the javelin yep. into the air, and mm. the other one got underneath the other point and caught it. I know. It's not right. Look, have these people never seen Terminator? Mm. They, they built the big, giant helicopter robots, mm -hmm. the sentient killing machines. They look identical to these things. And the big problem here is they find missiles and machine guns, and they're really loud. No, no, no. The Skynet of our future is just going to balance javelins on its roof and then casually and quietly flip them at you at a kilometer up. So you'd be like, we're saved, John Connor. And suddenly you just get a javelin through the head oh. and you just pin to the floor. Like, it doesn't kill you, just pinned. And then, well, they, and then everyone else is like, oh, God, we've got to cut him out of the javelin. They're like, there's no time, they're coming. Like, no, we can't leave people behind. That's what humanity's all about. Screw your humanity, John Connor, I'm out of here. If you turn your back at me, I will shoot you. You wouldn't dare, Connor. <laughs> ah, John Connor shot me. I did it for humanity. See, it's just the worst thing. Uh, at least... At least this stick that it was throwing was only quite light. At least robots can't throw heavy things yet. I know where this is going. Uh, I sent it to you, I think. Why don't you tell us this, then? Uh, I, I just can't. I'm so angry and upset. Okay, 
Big Dog. Everyone knows Big Dog. Big Dog is the robot that can follow you and can climb stairs. Follow you. And, the and, one and, that can follow and, you. On four legs, and you can kick it in the guts, and it just stands there and, and angrily watches you. It actually doesn't watch you, but it's only got a camera at the front. But it, it always follows you, and it remembers. <laughs> it remembers every time you booted it across the ice. And it goes, and it follows you along. Yeah. Now, if someone went, oh, that's really scary. Yeah, yeah. It could, like, kick you or something. That's, and, 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 and it can follow you, so you can be, like, in the woods. The thing is, it's not that fast yet. I mean, there's, there's a cheetah version that is very fast, but oh, it's only Jesus. in prototype stage. You can outrun Usain Bolt. We've talked about this on the podcast, yes. I believe. Now, to this other one, Big Dog, is a bit slower. You can outrun it. But it makes such a loud noise, you couldn't sleep. Because you hear this, mm, oh, it's coming for me. Mm, very yeah. bad. But the new one, someone went, you know what this needs? It needs a trunk on its face that can throw cinder blocks. <sighs> So it can now pick up a cinder block and lob with deadly accuracy many meters. They never show video of the scientists who are responsible for this, but you know that they're bald with (laughs) moustaches. Like Krieger from Archer. Yeah. (laughs) And although you always know that, you know they think it's dangerous because you watch that video. We'll put a link to the video in in the show notes. But you hear them yell, clear. This thing grabs a cinder block and everyone goes, clear! And you can hear the fear in their voice. Yeah. Why are you building it? And it can lo- and it lobs it behind. What I really hate, they, they slow down the video footage and it looks like it's watching over its shoulder. Admittedly, you can't watch from its arm, but it lobs it over its shoulder very casually, like you might throw your tie over your shoulder. Yeah. And then it just sits there and looks and you're like, it's just admiring what it's done, like 10 meter throw it so easily. We're very close to, to robots that actually just blow things up and don't even look back. You know what explosion. I'm <laughs> Just walk away from explosions. All I'm waiting for is next week, oh, we've worked out a way to make Big Dog run on blood. It'll now run on human blood. If it ever runs out of blood, it'll just stab a human, suck out some blood. Thank God Big Dog will survive the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, Terminator you... 3, oh. Terminator 3, they, they go to where the research part is and they have like the T1. Uh, which is basically a, an ATM on on tracks, <laughs> and they were so far off. Like we have got terrifying, terrifying robots already. Those people, the same people, um, Boston Dynamics, I think they're called. They made one that can. It's a two legged one that they can walk across debris. So it's maybe used to save people from burning buildings and things. It can step across debris. Mm. Now it still needs to be tethered, and its power source isn't built in. Unlike Big Dog, which is. It's totally you just all, you just sit there by itself working. Uh, but anyway, just why are we doing this? Why why make robots that can? And I, uh, Maybe they hate the podcast. Maybe they're like, <laughs> we don't want them to get up to episode forty three. <laughs> get to work, mustachioed slaves. <laughs> robots wear mustaches. I'll drop you into the no, well, the, the scientists. Oh, right, I'm assuming yeah, right. that the the main scientist, the head scientist, mm. is like brush stroking a cat. And has a tank full of laser sharks. And... I like the idea. Well, maybe, 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 maybe. Also, he's like a. He just sits there. So, uh, why are we putting a large arm on the front of Big Dog? Mm, don't question me. Mm. Uh... Why are you making a high pitched whirring noise? Those and you can't seem to stand still. Mm. <laughs> or it's just a Furby. <laughs> a Furby who's learned a lot. Furby 3.0. I hate you. We hate you too, Furby. Ah. Where? You can't switch the new Furby off. What is oh, that about? I can find a way. What? No, no, you, you can. Sm- there's different things smashing to pieces and switching it's it off. It's not turning back on again after I'm finished with it. <laughs> I just realised the name of the batteries that you have stockpiled on your desk. What's that? 
Batronic. Yeah. Batronic. Batronic. That, yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, pretend like you've never read the front of it before. I, I said, can I have some generic batteries? And I said, would you like generic X or Batronic? And, you kept, and I wanted to scream, what do you think? But I realized <laughs> that I was in their nice store and I didn't want to upset the nice people. So what type of batteries are they? Mercury and cadmium. Mm. Well, that's a, that's a missed opportunity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like if it was, um, was it copper? Copper, then it would be na 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 na. That's sodium. That's sodium. Good joke. Otherwise, it'd be coo 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 Batman. All right. Which is a whole different thing. Can you make batteries out of sodium? Uh, I don't think so. Wait, um. Is it theoretically possible? Because I will go out of my way. Well, sodium ions, you could, you could, well, hang on. Okay, yes. You can, (laughs) because you can, if you, um, if you put two metal electrodes in a, in a salt water, you can pass a current between them, but it wouldn't pass through fresh water. And you can, so you can run, you can run a current through oh, yeah. water because it's the ions, it's the sodium ions. Okay. So technically, yes, you could make a battery out of sodium ions, and you could call them bat batteries. Battery, bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone would go, "Why have you, why have you really laboured the bat at the start of my battery?" And that's the point where it all pays off because <laughs> that's the point where you go, "Na na 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 na," and one percent of people will go. Ah, the older people, all the younger people go. What? Yeah, no, there's a very what? that is a that is a that is the a section of many Venn mm. diagram circles. Yeah, not sexy the ones. Tiniest little tiny one in the middle. We have to actually be careful. I've decided that we have to be more careful about upsetting Venn diagrams of people. You know, last time we we um we had a go at um oh, it was offhand comment. It wasn't even something I want to talk about. It was talking about Will Wheaton being a bit of a dude, but having a show where he played board games. Yeah. And uh, and I went. That's a bit, it's just odd. Why you watch that? And then and Felicia. I thought it's probably Felicia Day. Everyone's gonna watch cute Felicia Day, and that's that's. that's yeah, that's, I don't really get that. And, uh, and I'm, a, I'm I'm into redheads. Yes, people actually responded quite badly to it, going, "No, it's a good show. It's good. It's I've bought two games, two games watching that show. All right, I'm like, oh, oh, and and I realize what you do. You don't you don't turn on internet icons if you're if you're trying to be on the internet and a bit weird, like which I think well, you know we kind of are. Then we've got to stick with Will Wheaton. We cleave to him, Dan. We are like burrowing ticks in the flanks of the giant stallion of Will Wheaton. And please welcome gentle listeners to Sam Clifford. What about the what about the listeners who are sort of roguish and brutish? <laughs> yes, a general dangerous listener. What about those who listen with such intent that it impinges upon people's physical mass? All listeners, please put your hands together for Mr. Sam Clifford. He is a PhD student in statistical modeling of air quality. He works for the International Lab for Quality and Health, otherwise known as ILAC. He has been oh, on... Sorry, I was hold my applause. He has been on Channel 10 Scope and Totally Wild. Please put your hands together for Sam Clifford! Yay! Also Big Brother, but he tend, that's not relevant to the conversation. He's going to Big Brother? Maybe not. Maybe that was a different guy. But he looks like he looks the type. He hasn't, shh, he hasn't said a word yet. Sam? Hey, Greg. Yay! <laughs> Big Brother? I don't, know, I don't know. What, no, he just looks the type. He does look the type, yes. He's got a haircut. You know, having fights about... Geography well, I, and stop, the, stop. Sam no. has very nicely, Mr. Clifford, I should say, has yeah. very nicely said that he would come on and put us right about a very interesting topic, and that is statistical oh, modeling of air quality. Statistical modeling. They, they, they say that's that. gonna be really. Exciting. Stop it. It's maths. 
Do some counting for us. Good count. I love the counting bit. Count from 20 and up. 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, 17, 19. He's doing primes. Well done. He's doing primes. (laughs) (laughs) I went on the odd. They're not just odd, they're primes. Uh, Uh, Very exciting. Anyway, uh, Sam has decided to come in and to talk to us today about, is it the statistical modelling of air quality? Yeah. And and you kind of go, I think a lot of our listeners are going, the same thing I'm going, which is, what? What does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear. That's zero out of one, right? Like, you can see through it. Oh, oh wait! Turbidity! Is that a word? Turbidity is a word, yes. Yes, and it has something to do with what you do? Not so much what I do, but there are people in my group who do study that sort of thing, the, the more fluid flow modelling, but the, the kind of modelling that I do is we've got a whole bunch of data and we want to look at the trends that are in it. So rather than coming up with a physical model of airflow, which requires a whole lot of data, we use statistics to say, well, this is the data that we do have, what can we tell? So the big project that I'm working on at the moment is looking at the trends in air quality over space and time in 25 primary schools in Brisbane. Space and time, that's not kind of, it's not as exciting as I think it is. No, it's, it's not Doctor Who. Damn it! No, we <laughs> have, we, we have a trailer of equipment that we take around to each of these 25 schools and we do two weeks of measurement there and then we've got some long-term measurements oh. from the EPA, DERM or whatever it's called these days. Okay, oh, yes, yes. So the Environmental Protection yeah. Agency. Yes. Yeah. So, and so, so... Do we have one of them in Australia? Like... <laughs> We, we used to have many more. Like the, the EPA, I've always associated with the, the Americans yeah. and that sort of hippies in big white vans and, <laughs> and gurneys. Yeah, that's us. That's no. right. What? But so is there an EPA well, or is it a... It's the, in, they're, they're called something else here, aren't they? It used to be the EPA in New South Wales, and then it became the Office of Environment under the Department of Premier. Oh, OK. And in Queensland, it was the EPA until a restructure by the Bly government, I think, and then it became the Department of Environment and Resource Management. This and is all very exciting. Yeah. Don't, don't the, hierarchy, the hierarchy of government is a very important thing to talk about. Why are you being so mean? We've I, got I mean, to support and nurture our guests. I just, I'm being mean to you. He's about... What? Being mean to you. I'm being oh. mean to him. So I don't listen to that anymore. <laughs> so I just assume that everyone's nice to me. Well, let's go back. So you are you are a mathematician then? Yes. So what's what's maths got to do with air? So we've got a whole bunch of physicists and chemists and uh, engineers in my group. But the mathematics is making sense of all of that data with a big model that can explain something. So rather than just taking a bunch of measurements and saying, this is the mean, we're done. Mm. You say, well, you know, what's really going on here? What are the effects of all the meteorological covariates? What sort of trends are there at each site? Are the trends the same across each site? Is there an average daily trend in air quality in Brisbane? Is there an average yearly trend? Is there? Yes. Well, what's the... Is it good? What's the average daily trend in Brisbane? Well, the average daily trend in Brisbane, you have the morning commute gives you a peak. Of of air pollution. Of of, of air pollution. Mm. So most of the air pollution in Brisbane comes from traffic emissions from cars and... So that'd be carbon monoxide? Well, aerosols is a very broad family of things. So there's gaseous and particle matter aerosols. So you've got, yeah, things like carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, nitrous oxides, sulfur dioxide. Nitrous oxide. So not only are they driving to work in the morning, but they're all doing bulbs just to get them through the commute. Like the laughing gas? Yeah, in fact, you know that's a bit scary. I just, I know some friends who used to do the... Yes. I've never had laughing gas in my life. I'm... Keep to stop. Stop. I can't wait, though. I can't it's, wait. It looks like fun. <laughs> like, I mean, other than the dentistry that's associated with it. Well, you'd have to suck down a lot of tailpipe emissions to get the sort of Nox dose that they give you with oh, the dentist. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so as a, as a statistician, yes, yep. as, as a statistician, your job is to model this real-world environment in a mathematical model, create the model, yep. and then plug in the data and try and make predictions, obviously, yeah. that we can follow. There's no point just having a model that just says it happened in the past. Well, it's very useful to be able to quantify what's happened in the past. Mm. The big project that we're doing, we're also taking health measurements with a group of kids at each school that we visit. So we want to calculate what they've been exposed to. So we do that from the school-based monitoring as well as the more city-wide modelling as well. Oh, okay. When you say, so with the statistics, so did you, is that something you've always wanted to work in? As in you've, as in, <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean it like that. I so mean, young Sam, <laughs> what do you want to, everyone here seems to want to be a firefighter. What would you like to do? Well, I'd like to give things uh, values out of other values. <laughs> and make models. Models, that's right. But did you want to become a mathematician and then got into the environment or were you an environmentalist kind of minded person and then got into maths? Which, how did that, uh, it seems so, like an odd flow to me. You see what I'm trying to say here? So I, I started in engineering and and failed a whole bunch of units, but realised that what I actually did enjoy was doing the maths. And I'd always really sort of enjoyed maths in primary school, but never really knew that that was something I could do as a job. Because, <laughs> you know, maths is just... In, in school, maths is something that you learn so that you can do other things. Exactly right. I and mean, from my own point of view, I, I love physics. Physics is my thing. And of course, you have to do maths in physics, but yeah. maths is really just the tool I use to, to, to quantify physics concepts. Yep. I don't enjoy maths. It's just a part of the language I have to use. Sure. If I learned another language, like an actual spoken language, I wouldn't enjoy learning German. If I needed to use it, I'd use it. Yeah. But you actually enjoy it. You're a freak who <laughs> enjoys maths. Oh, I like maths too. Yeah, actually. maths is great. Oh, fine. I'll just sit by myself in this little love-in group. Yeah, you go, Why don't you go over there and talk to him? I'd be standing next go to him. Go build yourself a chair or something. <laughs> physics guy. What? But don't use maths. Don't You're use not allowed to use maths to build your chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, damn. I could be in trouble. I, mean, I understand the power of maths, of course, but, yeah. but, but I, I must admit, I don't enjoy maths. It's not something I, I get a... I don't go, ooh, I, I get a, you know, a, a full-on brain erection out of doing the maths. But I, I do get the brain erection from the concepts the maths tells me, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, some people just you know, lean towards the soft sciences like physics. Oh, the only time I'll take that is from a mathematician. It's the only time. It's the only one. Everything else can go hang. But uh, maths, yes, I must admit, I have to take that yeah. like a man. <laughs> Don't get much more pure than maths, I'm yeah. afraid. So there's also a yearly trend. Yeah. So what's the yearly trend then? Well, in... Is it downhill? Are we all doomed? Is it doomed? Uh, no, yeah. Doomed! Every year, it just gets worse and worse. So there is there is a seasonal trend in Brisbane. It's not as pronounced as places like Finland, for example, where you've got... Or uh, Beijing. Uh, it's pretty much just constantly high. Um, <laughs> that's, that's just the, the device that reads the uh, carbon monoxide levels just weeps. Yeah. <laughs> there is a, a trend in Brisbane annually. It's sort of a little bit higher in winter. Mm. It depends what you're looking at, though. If you're looking mm. at pollen concentrations, obviously, it's very different to if you're looking at tailpipe emissions. Ah, uh, so, you're not just, so you're not just looking at pollution. You're also looking at things like pollen. Well, yeah, I mean, it, so there's a bunch of different ranges of particles in terms of their size, all the way from you've got dust from grinding processes at one end all the way down to the very ultra-fine particle stuff, which is, you know, less than 100 nanometers, and that's the sort of things you get from burning, uh, like, ultra-low sulfur diesel will have a lot of uh, ultra-fine right. particles in it. And then pollen and everything is slightly bigger than dust, so you've got this very big range that all have different health effects and all have different processes that govern 
their concentrations. Right. Okay. Do you measure helium and stuff? Like all the different concentrations, uh, concentrations of yeah. elements in the air. There's a device called an AMS, which is an aerosol mass spectrometer, which we've been using in the project to measure the composition of the air at the different schools. And that measures stuff like different levels of heavy metals, but then also sort of things like sodium and chlorine from sea salt. We also see in like the beachside schools. Uh, so yeah. So you, uh, of course, you've got to measure all over the city as well. How do you measure it? Do you have like a, a big vacuum cleaner you take out and just... We, is it like a reverse leaf blower? It is a lot like a vacuum cleaner. You've got... Is it portable? To a, to a degree. Actually, do you we, look like a Ghostbuster? <laughs> you, you're like a big pack on your, pack on your back well, and you, you go... He does actually look like a Ghostbuster. He's got a bit of the Dan Aykroyds about him. <laughs> oh, not oh, it's a bit sad. As long as it's early Dan Aykroyd, yeah, not late Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, we, it's uh, not Soul Man Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> There are things that look like coffee urns, uh, that, you know, the big sort of 20-litre mm. drums that are, are used to measure the number of ultrafine particles in the air. It's the thing called a condensation particle counter, which is like a machine that's got a tiny little tube attached to it that sucks in a bunch of air, exposes it to water vapour to get the particles to grow a bit, and then you measure how many, they are, how many there are with like a light scattering technique so that that gives you an idea of how many there are. Then there mm. are other devices that you can plug that into that will select a particular size range of a couple of nanometers width so that you can characterize how big all of the particles are in the air. And there are other machines like the AMS, which is on a trolley because it's so big because it does mass spectrometry. Mm. It doesn't just measure the size of a particle, but it does like you know, chemical analysis what's in there. It must be interesting deciding where the sites are, where you collect it as well. Because I, I guess sometimes there's pollution which is really, really localised. Like you stick one in the middle of the Roma Street Gardens yeah. and it's going to be like pollen up the wazoo, yeah. which I've had. <laughs> but um, that's a, that's a heck of a Saturday night. Uh, you know, you'd, like you, you wouldn't want to like put one down and then and one week just suddenly discover that the monoxide's gone all the way up because someone started parking in the yeah. wrong bay or something. Yeah. So at each of the schools, we take measurements in multiple locations, so we can get a sense of what the spatial distribution is within the school as oh, well okay. as across all of the schools. Mm. So there's sort of you know one in like the school oval maybe, and then one near the major road, and then one at the back of the school. And we have a look and see, you know, do the measurements all move in the same direction? Obviously, mm. the ones closest to the road are going to be highest. Yes, They're going to have yeah. uh, lots of trucks or cars going past. I suppose... What, uh, so, uh, conceivably, if schools were gigantic pollution places, like, just because of the nature of all that... I don't know, imagine that people learning maths created lots of carbon <laughs> monoxide. Sure. You'd actually get quite a skewed result because you're only collecting within school grounds. I don't if kids were a big source of particles... Well, but, but, or not. Like, you don't have a lot of car yards in school grounds. No, but they're testing schools. Yeah. But yeah, the level of carbon dioxide that you would see at an outdoor site in a school is not going to be that heavily influenced by having a bunch of kids there because there's, there's wind mm, mm. and it will be washed out by all the carbon dioxide from traffic and industrial sources and everything else. Okay. Sure. Like, is there one of those moments where you, like, looked at the science or, or, the, or the stuff that came in? And then and we're looking for patterns and something went, oh, my God, look at this pattern and look what this means here. Like, did you have one of those, like, eureka moments where you're like, oh, I, I just worked out something brilliant? Yeah, there have been a couple of those with the modelling where we've had these long-term monitoring stations up for maybe a year and a half, two years, three years okay, data yeah. that we've got. And so we, we know what the daily trend is at those mm. sites. And then collecting the school data, which is only 10 to 14 days because it's two weeks at a school, and just seeing how much it differs and sort of seeing, wow, these two, this school is right next to this monitoring station and they have 
the same profile. Ah. That's so cool. It's like it's it's not just you know random noise at each side. It's you know there's there's a link. Hang on. So now I've mm. gotten a bit lost here. So you're collecting stuff from the schools. Yep. But there's also monitoring stations that aren't. Yes, at so the schools. At QUT, we have uh, a monitoring station on the top level of our building, which uh, measures sort of oh, yep. the inner urban levels. Ah, okay. So you mobile ones, yep. and then you have set ones as well. Ah, yes. So gotcha. the, right. the EPA DERM has a network of monitoring stations around right. southeast Queensland. I just want to jump back. You were saying before, Dan, if, if a car pulls up against uh, your monitoring station for one day and starts pumping carbon monoxide at it, that's okay because he's a statistician and there would just be a statistical anomaly for one day. That doesn't skew the results. You would actually take that into account that there would be days where weird things are going to happen and you say, yep. this is just one loop. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, so by recording for multiple days to get an idea of the daily trend, you can work out the average daily trend. It's not mm -hmm. just, you know, you join the dots between the observations and that's your trend. So the way that I do my modelling, we've got if you've heard of splines, they sort of came about in the use of... Um, I've never heard of splines. Computer graphics. Okay. You know, Windows 3.1, there's a, a weird screensaver that's got all the lines that are bouncing around all over the screen. Okay. There's sort of... There's, there's straight lines and there's curvy lines. Right. The curvy lines are called splines. That's cool. And they're, they're a way of saying... I don't know what the functional form of, of this curve is going to be. I think, but you're, I know, I think I, you're going to say something very different then. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the functional form of this is going to be. Functionally analyse yourself, Greg. <laughs> so I don't know what the functional form of this line is going to be, but I know that it's going to be nonlinear, wavy, wiggly, whatever. Mm. So we use splines to model these functions that we, we don't know what they are, but we know that they're nonlinear. So... You choose a certain number of splines to use, but to make sure that you don't get something that is essentially joining the dots and really wiggly, you mm. can come up with a penalty term for the, the roughness of these, the wiggliness of these splines, uh, yes. so that you get nice, okay. really smooth estimates that aren't as susceptible to the variation that you're talking about. So, and you just choose like the roughness of the variable. That's something you decide what well, it might be, or is it something you can work out? So there's a couple of ways to do it. Um, there's this thing called Bayesian statistics, which is what oh, I do. Yeah, oh, we're going. It's one level deeper. That's now. it. That's it. Right. Hold, hold on. Inception time. Yep. Bam. 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 It's just maths. Sorry. He's a physicist. <laughs> so, so Bayesian statistics is basically every parameter in your regression model is mm. a, is some distribution. There's some could be a normal distribution that governs the values that are likely for this parameter. Right. So. Bayesian statistics is all about everything's a parameter. You start from a position of ignorance. You quantify that ignorance by saying, you know, this roughness penalty, for example, I'm going to start by assuming that at the start it's zero, mm -hmm. but my data will inform me about this parameter and I will update what I believe about this parameter with data and now I have a new set of beliefs. Right. Oh, okay. So Ooh, rather yes. than saying this is my data and, and here's my confidence interval, it's like yeah. this is what I think before having collected any data, quantifying my ignorance. That's basically a hypothesis, really. That's what I think it might be. A hypothesis is I have a well-defined question that I want to check the, uh, the validity of, mm -hmm. whereas the... It's called it's more a, a shot in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Gut instinct. Yeah. So hypothesis testing is an important part of stats, but mm. this is, here's what I think, 
mm. go and collect some data. That updates what I updates think, it. which is, you know, I think a fairly natural way of approaching something like, like modelling air quality. Yeah, it sounds like good science to me, as in, here's what I think, it doesn't turn out to be right, therefore yeah, I will change what I think. Because no scientific experiment starts from a position of complete ignorance of like, oh, I'm just going to go do this and see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, I have an idea, that's right. this, this is what I think. This is what high school students want it to be. Like, you know, let's just mix stuff together, we'll just lick things until yeah. something happens. Yeah, just pour chemicals together. That's right, and but what's the worst that can happen? Death. Death is the worst thing that can happen. Setting the atmosphere on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Oppenheimer. Yay. Okay, so you make a decision and you can change that number and that will actually change your yeah. curves. So you actually, yeah. Swines. So you can choose a bunch of different estimates of what you think that number might be. But as a, as a Bayesian, you go, I'm going to let a distribution govern it. I'm going to let my data update my distribution. And then you just find the most likely values of that distribution that govern that parameter. Sure. Now, would your job have been impossible 100 years ago? Do you need computers to do what you do now? Yes. To do it in, like, <laughs> finite time, yes, you yeah. definitely need computers. I do like the notion right. that 100 years ago there was a guy who was in charge of this just going... <sighs> Mm, some pollen in there. Um, well, I mean, that's... bit of carbon monoxide. <laughs> Ooh, particulates. <laughs> It's a very cheeky atmosphere today. I mean, my... It's like earthy. Oaky. Oaky, <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's got high uh, top notes and high tones. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the, my supervisor has been doing this sort of physics. She's a physicist. She's been doing this sort of work. Don't shake it. your head when you say that. No, I'm saying I'm she's... I'm taking offence, actually. The poor thing. She's a physicist. <laughs> she's, she's not me. Like, so I'm the only math... <laughs> I'm the only mathematician in the group. Sure. So sure. everybody else has their own set of skills. She's really, you know, come from a very strong physics background. Right. And has seen the field develop over the last 30 or so years. Mm. And there have been new devices that have allowed us to measure things that we couldn't have measured before. So the ultrafine right. particles from traffic, a couple of decades ago, you couldn't measure them because they're too small. Do we even know they existed? But we probably posited their existence. Yes, yes. But really beyond that, you just go... Yeah. yeah. Don't know how many there are. Don't know what they're made of. Yes. Therefore, they're not important. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yes. We'll let the future handle that. Okay. Oh, there you go. So I, I'm going to put forward this, just change of tack here. Don? Yeah. Change of tack. So you're at a bar and, and, and a very nice person that you find attractive sits down next yep. to you and they go, hi, I was talking to the burly fireman just before <laughs> who could very easily describe his job to me in a very sexually pleasing way way but i decided he wanted to do that when he was in grade one uh, yes <laughs> i'm just intrigued you look like a very nice man you got a bit of the dan Aykroyds, not the old dan Aykroyd, but the young dan Aykroyds. Yeah. i thought i'd come and tell you now to seal the deal tell me what you do okay i look at all of the traffic pollution and come up with figuring out how much there is and ultimately we're going to use that to look at health impacts and just see Ooh, well, i am already fucking a fireman <laughs> this <laughs> It's, you got to romance that up. It's like, like well, I, I take probably... care of the breath of the city. <laughs> yeah. I, it's only me. You know how Batman defends Gotham from the Joker? <laughs> I defend you from the Joker of pollution. <laughs> That's what I do. I, to, to be honest, I'd probably talk about cooking. I'd, I'd talk about how much I love cooking. Oh, goodness. That's but that's... then I'd talk about the air quality of cooking, and then Dan would be f***ing a fireman. <laughs> There's a lot of editing in this podcast today. Uh, <laughs> no. I've, I've developed a hotkey for the police department. <laughs> Every time Greg speaks. No, 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 no. 
So what would be something sexy you could talk about in your job? I'm not saying your job doesn't sound sexy, particularly let's get me especially hot, but what's a big sexy thing that you could talk about? The travel is pretty good. <laughs> one of the No, one of the guys in my group went to Heron Island. Terrible. Had to go to Heron Island for a week and do measurements of marine aerosols. Oh, and, okay. That's pretty know. good. So you get to hang out in... Science junket. Yeah, exactly. You get to hang because... out in marine environments or rainforests. Uh, it's also uh... important to look at the role of air quality in rainforests because it changes how rain forms. Yeah. Uh, does it? Yes. Oh, Ooh, okay. Well, how does it do that? To get rain droplets, you need... You, can't you need start... a seed, don't you? You do. Exactly. You mm. need a seed. You need something that the water can condense onto and you have fine particle matter in the air and that's mm. what the water condenses onto and i saw an experiment done in a, a lab where they had a vacuum chamber they introduced some water it was deionized water there was absolutely nothing other than water and vacuum mm. and they couldn't get condensation to form right. and then they introduced a little bit of dust condensation Ah, so these so looking at particular is that means how you create uh, rain in places that haven't got rain? They can fire sulfur dioxide or something into the atmosphere. Yeah, that's the that's the theory. That that's you, the theory. You, yeah, I okay. think it's iodine. That it's they iodine. Put, yeah, right. you can see the, yeah you see the atmosphere with a particular a particular type of particle. And water will, condenses onto it. Boom, and it rains. Ah, yeah. so basically you're not adding. Obviously, you're not creating water. You're no. just dragging the the con, pulling the, it out the, of the air. The the, the, the the humidity and you and just yeah. drain. Okay, right. Oh, so could that be something that your job would be useful in finding out whether or not, like, how many particles we require, yeah. Or, or yeah, yeah, and whether in the, they're in the right size range mm. and distribution. So things like, could you say, oh, actually, here's the downside to all this pollution. You know, obviously, obvious downside. But the upside is we're going to get increased rainfall. Could you notice something like that? Uh, I, that's actually a really interesting question. Yeah, is there an <gasps> optimal level of pollution for for rainfall? Oh, yeah, congratulations. Interesting question. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's something you could look into. Well, you can have that one. You can yeah, have that oh, thank one. Thank you. No problem. You can, you can have a little I'll, thing. I'll, it, you know, when when I get the grant, I'll make sure I put the, <laughs> in the acknowledgement for the paper. That's right. Thank can you. Can I, can I get my name on the on the like? It could be like Dr. Sam Clifford when you become a doctor and and Gregoire. Is that possible? On the paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you write some of the paper. Yeah, I there's could, there's guidelines uh, for authorship and QT doesn't look favorably on just honorary authorship stuff. Uh, you got to put the work in, Greg. No, you don't uh, get to call yourself a doctor by ringing up a radio station. That's it. <laughs> Ooh. We're going to leave that one alone. We're going to totally leave that one alone, I think, because I know what he's talking about, and I'm not going to mention it. Um, there you go. So did you... So when you were looking at your graphs, can you see river fire? Because here in Brisbane, like, we, we have a great big fireworks thing one night a year, and, 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 and big jets, like, come over there, big... And they dump yeah. a whole heap yeah. of fuel. Yeah. Can you look at the graph and go... And does everyone gather around the next morning and go... There it is. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> That's awesome. So you can tell. Can you tell like, how many jets flew over? Yeah, you count them as they go past. No, no. <laughs> Greg leaves the interview looking tense but dignified. Ah, oh, you've walked into that one. <laughs> Damn it! But yeah, you you can. That's how we can get traffic counts. You can sort of reverse oh. engineer traffic counts by looking at, you know, what's the amount of air pollution. Really? So yeah. The, but the pollution, you can tell uh, if, uh, roughly within a certain range how many cars were travelling in that day on that road. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's that precise. That sounds pretty precise it's, to it's, me. Well, you, as, you know, it's, it's statistical, so we're mm. going to be able to quantify our uncertainty about that. We'll come up with an estimate yeah. of likely ranges of values. So you could say, and, so you could say it's just... A, 
pull over my head, you might say there were 10,000 cars that went down this road, but plus or minus... Plus or minus 2,000. 2,000 yeah. cars, yeah, yeah okay, right. Depending gotcha. on how many were, like, quite nicely created new automobiles and how much were paddock bombs. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, a Prius and an right. old Hilux have very, very different mm. Oh, I see. That's really fascinating. I, I find that really interesting that you, you can get that precise and start looking at people, yeah, just from the stats, you can actually start yeah. saying what how it connects directly to the real world. Which shouldn't surprise me now I think about it. Because <laughs> you're getting data from the real world. Okay. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, river fire. Everyone gets excited about yep. river fire mm. and aerosol scientists even more so because, you know, <laughs> it, you know it, it's interesting. You see the fireworks, you see, mm. in, you know, if you're running the, your aerosol mass spectrometer, you can see maybe what was in the fireworks. Mm. Oh, so you actually see this big spike in magnesium and yeah, copper. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Do a bit of reverse engineering. Yeah, how many fireworks went off? Christmas time. The, uh, the air people yeah. get together you with the chemistry people. Scrape out all the stuff from the bit. inside of the equipment and make your, <laughs> repack it in some paper. No, um, red, gold. <laughs> A colour we've never seen before. <laughs> from beyond space and time. The, the dust storm in 2009. Everyone just oh, yes. lost their... Oh, yes. Mines. They just totally lost their marbles and... and well, this, like, for example, everybody ran outside and was like, "Oh my god, make sure we have everything running." This is very, this yeah, well, is very visual for the moment. Because I'm, I'm sorry, listeners, but looking out the window where we're recording now, I could not really see the house. It was actually a red haze, and the yeah. house, I could see well, the well, house we across start the road. Because yeah, it was it, it, in 2009. Oh yes, we had a massive dust storm that covered how much of the state? Like most of the eastern seaboard of so, Australia, so from or like of, of Australia, like from Australia. so from New South Wales up the wow. coast. That's a yeah. lot. For and a, you'd look out, and it was like it was like brown fog. Yeah, mm. it was, it's actually quite scary. The sun was basically on fire. I mean, obviously, I'm a stupid thing to say, <laughs> but, it was, but it was bright. <laughs> ah, yay! Physics. The, the moon looked like a rock <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> Greg started making obvious points, but it was, it was a bright red. It was a very, very bright red yeah. uh, star. And it was it, a red giant, kind of a uh, and it, it was hung kind around of for a few days. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was two or three days. Yeah. This, yeah. This ooze just sitting in the air. Yeah. And where did it come from? It came from rural New South Wales. I blame everything on rural New South Wales. Yeah. It dried out, didn't so, it? So, yeah, there was, there was a bunch of ah. rain, which floods the rivers, yeah. and then you get all the silt washed up onto the banks, and then it gets dry, and mm. then the silt that's on there just gets drier and drier and drier, and then a big wind comes along and whips it up into the atmosphere. It must have been pretty amazing amounts of wind and... Particles. Yes, I mean that's just. Ludicrous. It was a perfect storm. A perfect storm. <laughs> I, oh, I just saw George Clooney in some sort of hang glider going up yeah. and up and up and up. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and, yeah, and so, it stuck to stuff. Oh, I, I closed all the windows when yeah. it came, except the kitchen window was still open about twenty centimeters, and I did notice because uh, I, I never opened that window at all, and then. Months and months later, I decided to open that window up, and I opened it up, and a 20-centimetre strip of it was bright orange that I hadn't noticed before, and it's still there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell the frog princess. What I did, actually, I I got a little bit cleverer than that. Haha, I didn't just close windows. I went, positive pressure. I need positive pressure. So I put on the air conditioning on, just no no air conditioning, just had lots of air, because sucking it from outside through a filter so it couldn't get through there, and positive pressure, it couldn't get in. I used my brains. You know, physics. if if we were real... physics. If, <laughs> if we were really using our brains, we would have mm. gone out and painted in clag on the walls and then come back in two <laughs> days and there would have been these big brown murals over everything. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. That's a, okay, so we've got, <laughs> we've got all this dust and, and you're saying the perfect storm. So yeah. it just happens to be the right amount of time. Yeah, that so, I mean, we don't around. get dust storms all the time, like mm. in you know more arid regions. Mm. They have dust storms all the time. Melbourne seems to get a lot of dust storms, I noticed, more than, more than Queensland does anyway. Well, it's probably because they've got more arid farmland nearby. You know, ah. It has to come over the great, great Dividing Range to get to Brisbane. Right, so that was pretty weird in itself. That's another weird thing that happened. Yeah, to I do. mean... It, right. It, 
and everybody knows, you know, that's not a dust storm that we've ever seen. We, mm. we just don't yeah. get those. Yes. So did it clog the equipment? Yes. Did you, it, maxed up, it maxed everything up to all the nines? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Turn this thing to 11. <laughs> did, what did you learn from that then? Beyond that, it was, it was pretty cool. So probably the most interesting thing, at least for me as somebody who looks at traffic emissions, was that we noticed that the ultrafine particles, which are the really tiny ones from the combustion from cars, mm. really dropped down. And that's because they were all sticking to the dust particles. So the dust particles are really big. Uh, comparatively. Comparatively. Yeah. Com- yeah compa- like, compared to, do, do, compared do, to something... Oh, Jesus, my head! Yeah. Oh, no! Oh, God, it's the dust then It's not the thing. It's not the thing suspended <laughs> in the air and battling... It's time! <laughs> so you know, they're like 10 to 100 times bigger. He's, he's ignoring us. I am. <laughs> Damn, you heard me. I'm a professional, Greg. <laughs> I've got an honours degree. <laughs> So do I, actually. <laughs> Screw you, hippie. I don't need one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Hopefully. Great. Oh, hang on. Well, yeah, well done, Grace. What did you do today? I, I invited a, a very clever man on my podcast and then proceeded to call him a hippie because, yes. Anyway, unprofessional actions. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so, it's not, so we now know it wasn't the thing. It wasn't the ever-loving blue-eyed thing punching people, but no. these, these particles were about 100 times bigger. Yeah. That's, that's quite yeah. remarkably large. And they were sucking up, essentially, all of the ultrafine particles. Right. So, you know, the air didn't become healthier all of a sudden because we didn't have these ultrafine particles. But mm. it's, it's, it's very interesting because as a student studying air quality stuff, you, you, you hear about this and you're like, oh, yeah, polydispersed coagulation, which was polydis- you know, polydisperses, you've got different sizes, mm. coagulation, they stick together. You learn about that, but it's so rare that you get such a huge example of it. Coming through your kitchen window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whether you wanted to or not. Okay. <laughs> Don't close that, I'm doing an experiment with polydispersed <laughs> coagulation. Right. Polly who? Get out of my house! Okay, so, and, and did it just go away in itself, in it, or, or did, did the weather pattern have to change? No, that, that's when Sam and his friends came out into that's their own. <laughs> they strapped on the proton accelerators. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at the trap. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was basically you just had to wait it out. Just mm. like with, you know, the, the volcanoes that ground all the planes. You just yeah. got to wait it out. Do Grounded. It, would it have... Would like it have if it ground all the planes, it would just turn them into a... <laughs> into a small particulate nature. Yeah. It would then stick onto the particles, making the problem even worse. I can't remember. Did it actually stop planes? Was it enough to, that dust storm to stop planes or no? I don't remember. I can't remember. No, I don't, I don't remember hearing it about it. Yeah. It's just, not remember. like the Chilean... No, not volcano. like that. that yes. w- so that would have turned up as well. Twice. I mean, yeah. you, you, you would have been all over that. And the one, did you I think the... that was before I started, so I, I, uh, it's not part of my experience at right. the lab. What about the one that... Oh, the Icelandic one. Yes. Well, I don't think we got that down here. Yeah, but did, so at all. So, no, no. I know the different trade winds and things like that, so it's hard to cross the equator. Like, yes. Just, but, the, but it must... Unless, actually, I'm basing now this on Neville shoots on the beach where there's a nuclear war in the northern hemisphere and all the fallout slowly makes its way south and kills everyone in the whole wide world and they, have, like, they know how long it's going to take. Yep. Does that happen? Do particles move from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere? I, I don't think they do. I wonder if that's the Coriolis effect. It keeps the winds keep swishing mm, it away. Mm, I think that's what it is. Scoop yeah, because th- there's there's yeah there's the different bands of of different winds. There's like the the Hadley cell and a bunch of other stuff. And it's mm. like why the Sahara is so dry because mm. the rain the you know the water isn't there. The moisture's 
you know, transported away before it gets a chance to rain. Right. It doesn't pass through. So you don't get, so you're not going to get, you, you wouldn't notice uh, like a, a massive volcano in the Northern Hemisphere making a big difference in Australia or not, in, to our air. N- yeah, not to our air, but you know, right. certainly it disrupted flights all around the world. Of course, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then, so if something changes in the flight patterns, then you'd notice that too, because flight fuel mm. would be a. Yeah, we've, I think we've, we've done measurements out at the Brisbane airport about concentrations from flights. Yeah. Do you know, I'm going to get this wrong because this might be a walk of shame thing. I was trying to remember, but the September 11 attacks on the World Trade Center in 2001 and lots of planes were grounded and there was a drop in air temperature. Is that correct? Because the, the particul- there weren't any particles in the air and therefore there was, oh, I think I'm getting this wrong. The albedo, there wasn't oh, as much of an albedo. I heard it was the, uh, the contrails. The contrails, yes. The yes. lack of yeah, contrails yes. meant more sunlight was hitting the ground Grounds rather than bouncing all, off the I was contrails. actually warming up there, not cooling down. The albedo is reflecting it back into space. That's the, the white you know, reflecting it away. So that in that case shows you how particulate nature can yeah. really make a big difference well, I mean, very that's, quickly. That's like the, the greenhouse effect with all the water vapor. That's you know mm. how we have life on the planet. Mm. So yeah, mm. definitely the atmosphere has a huge role in you know the temperature of the earth. So just by hang on, so that means by I want to point this out to our listeners here, just to really ram this one home. By stopping flying planes across most of the U.S. In, on September 12 to September 15 or whatever it was, they, they shut down most of their flights for, for reasons, of course. It changed the temperature on continental U.S., if not around the world. I'm not too sure about the world. But mm-hmm. Therefore, humans can have quite, even with little actions, can have quite drastic effects. Yes. This is the point I'm trying to point here. Yes. People go, how, how are we affecting the world? You're like, well, by grounding all the planes for three days, we change the temperature of a major continent. Yeah. Surely, therefore, we can change the temperature of the whole planet by, you know, maybe pumping carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide into the air. Yeah. Do you, is that something that would that be fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're different processes. Like, mm. there's the reflection of part, uh, the reflection of the incoming radiation by the particles in the air versus mm. the retention of heat by carbon dioxide. Mm, mm. But yeah, it's, 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 you know. So you're getting us the information that will allow us to figure out what to eject into the atmosphere to bounce all that heat yes. away to geo... Geoengineer. To geoengineer our yes. planet to stop it from heating up so we can I'm, keep using all of our heaters all of and our stuff. fossil fuels. Yes. I've heard that this is something that think, or people are thinking about, throwing sulfur dioxide, I think, into the air, lots and lots and lots of it into the high atmosphere okay. to block. Have you heard of anything like this before? Only through news sources, not through academic stuff. Right, um, okay. I, I have heard this, like, you know, somebody suggested putting little droplets of aluminium <laughs> in, in the air to, hmm. to reflect... Like you know, like oh, nanoparticles. Ah. No, 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 no. In the upper atmosphere, not in, not in the bio, right. not in the bit that we live in. Mm. But yeah, so the, yeah, it'll the, never come back. It'll be fine. Yeah, what comes up never goes down. Yeah, it's, it's an old saying. In fact, aeroplanes. <laughs> like <laughs> I we just keep throwing them into the sky full of hundreds of people. Where they go, we have no idea. Hey, hey, hey! One wrong doesn't make a right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Apparently, some scientist just recently, like he said, oh, I reckon that if you put iron filings into the ocean that that will help with algae and stuff to yeah. regenerate and stuff. And, yes. the, and, he, and he said, can I do this? And they went, actually, no. And he went, oh, all right. And he went and did, did it, it anyway. Yeah. Yes, off the coast of Alaska. Ah. I think it was Alaska. And, yes, they, he got the local people's permission, the the um, the Inuit people's permission yeah. to do it. And now, now everyone's got very angry at him because there's massive algal bloom. And he, what he's hoping, of course, is it will um, drag out the carbon dioxide sure. from the atmosphere and then it will sink and it will trap it on the bottom of the ah. ocean. And, and that's where everyone's gone, well, we know the first part will happen. We don't know if the second part will happen. That's sure. it. You're, and he went, well, I'm giving it a go. So um, it's intriguing. Science! Yes, bio, bio- and then, engineering. Yeah. And then he put on his goggles and leapt in his Zeppelins. 
so, so the question the question is if we do this to the planet you know the, the great experiment with the oceans or the atmosphere where, where's the control that, yes and there's the issue. But, but no no and that's a very good point that can One be taken two oh, ways too. but but in in this case to to invoke Karl Popper from from the interview with with Kevin Lowe that means we are frozen with doing nothing because we will never have a control unless we can find another yeah. Earth I mean they found an Earth sized planet around Alpha Centauri but it's way too hot they think yeah for it to be, so do we never do anything that's the question these are the balancing questions we're going to look at and that means we need people like you yes. Sam Clifford statisticians statisticians and that lady who wouldn't who went home with the fireman just realised what a terrible mistake she made lady oh oh I, oops that, that person's partner is never going to be at a Nobel Prize awards ceremony that's right for you know, solving global warming <laughs> unless is there a no- I got my nobles pulling all the bitches <laughs> I don't know it's and with that, okay. I think we have to end before I am too embarrassed to speak. Thank oh, you. Oh, I just want to... Well, oh, one yes. Thing, one <laughs> thing. So, okay. So, the dust storm thing, obviously, oh, that, yes. that was a big thing. The Blue Mountains. Okay. Why are they blue? Uh, I know this. Dan, why are the Blue Mountains blue? Um, I, 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 suddenly, so, I feel like Alan Davis from QI. Because <laughs> the eucalyptus oil leaves that gets into the... Yeah, that's the, the eucalyptus oil gets into the, the atmosphere yeah. and it discolours it because the light... Yeah. What? So can I give a theory instead? Can I give the other physics theory that I think it is? It's just that the blue light is scattered more than than the red light. Therefore, we see more of the blue. But why? (laughs) 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 Negative ten points. So, but but why? Why would that happen though, Greg? Because all mountains look blue at a distance. But even when you're there around the blue mountains and you're up close, rather than looking at them from a distance, there's still that blue. Are they? I'm colorblind. Are they? Honestly. Yes. Oh, right. Maybe they're called... <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's oh. just... That because you know that they're called the Blue Mountains, you're, you've got bias. I've never ah. noticed it. I don't, I don't, so it's actually more blue. So, yeah, there's, right. there's this... Uh, so, that's just so our international listeners, uh, the Blue Mountains are a range of mountains which you would laugh at in any other country on the planet uh, that, that are very... Uh, that are close to Sydney and sort of run up the east coast. Yeah, they're of part of the Great Wales. Dividing Range. Part of the Great Dividing Range, yeah. yeah. They're, they're very, very crap. Uh, very pretty, but very small. Yeah, as far as well, not compared to me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't call you Mount Dan, do we? Some stop. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, so there's this. So why are they blue? Uh, there's a compound in the air that's emitted, and Dan's right, it's from the the eucalyptus oil called terpene. Oh, T E R P E N E. It changes the light scattering in the air. So, so, so this chemical comes out of the eucalyptus. Leaf, yeah. and it's obviously a quite a large, comp- a large chemical. I mean, well, it's, it's it's basically part of an oil. Part of it's an part oil. Of the, it's part of the eucalyptus oil. It's right. one of the there's oh. there's this family of things called volatile organic compounds, mm. and they're called volatile because they evaporate quite easily at low temperatures. Not explode. No. They're, 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 well, if you probably got it at a high enough concentration, you could probably explode it. What concentration, Sam? Can you just <laughs> just hang on, just out of interest. I'm tapping my nose and saying I'm not an expert in volatile <laughs> organic compounds. <laughs> Uh, the FBI is listening <laughs> That's right. in Australia. Great. Um, ASIO, my friend. Mm. No, no, they, they, they're crap. The FBI is still <laughs> listening. But yeah, so the, the, the terpene colours the air, essentially, by the light scattering. All right. Oh, so I was partially right. Yes. So all it's the light scattering off the particles right, emitted from the eucalyptus trees. So all, all the hooting and laughing at Greg really wasn't really called for at all. You want me to adjudicate on YouTube? (laughs) You're looking at me as if you want to. Who do you like more, Dan or at this point? (laughs) You've been listening to this now for a good couple of minutes. Take it up with Stephen. Nearly nearly an hour. I'm just intrigued which one you'd rather talk to. I'm going to give the points to Jimmy Carr on this one. (laughs) (laughs) And with that shocking revelation, we're going to end this interview. Thank you, Mr. Sam Clifford. 
That's great. Thanks for having me. And uh, best of luck with the rest of your PhD. Thank you. Well, that particulate scientist was a breath of fresh air. Oh, look at you in your puns. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a segue. Ah. <laughs> it's almost perfect, too. Well done. Almost uh. perfect, yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And also Greg at smartenough.org. If you would like to have a conversation about anything you've heard in the podcast, get along to our forums. But whatever you do, don't yell at Will Wheaton or mock Felicia Day. We've learnt our lesson, listeners. We love them. We are now full Will Wheaton converts, and I, we both love Felicia Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never will say anything no, bad about them again. No. Not, I, I don't even remember saying it. It was an offhand comment, but I've learned my no, lesson. No, no, no. Felicia Day is lovely. She's and lovely. She never, and she's then, not like that awful Nathan Fillion. Don't, don't. What a... Ted. If you're now incensed with rage, brown coats, about Dan's uh, portrayal of your Messiah, then please get onto uh, Twitter at SE2KB or Facebook at SE2KB. Ryan Reynolds made such a good Green Lantern. (laughs) Stop speaking! Everything you say burns my soul. Please go on and review me, Gregoire, but don't review Dan Beeson at all (laughs) on iTunes. Every review will be helpful. Please don't punish us for that. Just speak your mind, how you want to say it, how you want to talk. We can edit, and we do edit. So you get to the end and go, all that stuff I said about how Hitler had a whole bunch of really good ideas. (laughs) Yeah, we can do that. I got one mark out of five is the entire question. It's huge, like 400-word question I had to answer. One mark out of five. Anyway, well, you said blah, and that was good. Then he went, but then really, you had no idea. But you wrote a lot of words. Yay! And that's exactly what I did. Because I went, I don't know, I'll just keep writing and hopefully he'll get confused and go to sleep and give me a seven. Uh, I'm not going to read all this. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did though. Then you, but then you mark his comments in a different colour. You know, you just keep doing it back and forth until you run out of colours. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Polly who? Get out of my house! Oh, that was clutching in straws so far as... I bet you're not going to edit that bit. No, 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 I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to loop it <laughs> for about a minute. That's the new jingle. It's <laughs> the new intro. In more tragic news, Justin Bieber's 20th birthday was not very enjoyable for him. Oh, that's very sad. Why not? Uh, well, it, here to listen to his own music. I, hey! That plane is awful. Oh! Pop in the in the nightclub, just this repetitive <laughs> whiny. nonsense, whiny stuff. <laughs> oh my god! Because uh, he tweeted like uh, I, when I saw it, it was like 19 hours ago. He tweeted going, "Go on now, I'm gonna have a great night." Mm. And then nine hours ago, worst birthday ever. And, and uh, what I have to say to that is, and nothing against Justin Bieber, that's just getting older, son. That's just uh, yeah. Uh, you go, yeah. When I'm 12, birthdays are awesome. When I'm 16, birthdays are still pretty good. When you hit 30, you're like oh, another birthday. Oh look, that made me a cake. I better smile. <laughs> there is part of me that really, really hopes that he was actually on his way to a really cool party mm. and then was privy to a terrible traffic accident where he was—he personally was performing CPR on, and, on like and a... Like blood coming out of this woman's mouth. Yeah. And she's like, just, I'm so glad you were here with me. I know you'll save my life. And he's like, no, yeah. I'm a singer. Yeah. Why didn't I do CPR properly? Exactly. I should have been. I should have done CPR. This person was a fan. And this blood gouting from her face. And she looks at him with hope. 
and, 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 and total and total safety and trust. Yep. And the, and then there's, and then there's that shot down the hallway of the hospital yes. where he's pacing, and then the doctor comes out, and then you just see the doctor say something, but you can't hear it, and then Justin just curls up in a ball, <sighs> and then he pulls out his phone and tweets, "Worst birthday ever." I, I would watch that telly movie. Oh my god! Get Hallmark on that immediately. Justin Bieber doesn't save a woman on the road. That's you can even call it that. I'd still watch it. It doesn't. No, it has to be Justin Bieber playing it. it. Has to be Justin Bieber. He has to play that role. I'm and doing the soundtrack. I know. <laughs> Unlike dead famous people, I have a lot of time for live famous people. So, if you're listening to this, Mr. Bieber, I hope you have a better couple of days after. I don't give a shit. I don't care. He will cry himself to sleep on his piles of cash. Being the the lifestyle that the man leads, (laughs) I can only assume that most days are kind of like a birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, no, he works hard. (laughs) 